It's Friday, January the 21st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Ukraine's president rebukes Biden and Belarusian officials charged with piracy. First, the world in brief. Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, rebuked Joe Biden for his suggestion on Wednesday that a, quote, minor attack by Russian troops may not prompt action from America or its allies. Mr. Zelensky took to Twitter, quote, to remind the great powers that there are no minor incursions and small nations. Mr. Biden has since specified that any movement of Russian forces across the border would be taken as an invasion. American prosecutors charged four Belarusian government officials with conspiracy to commit aircraft piracy when they ordered the diversion of a Ryanair flight to Minsk in May 2021. The officials, according to the indictment, contrived a bomb threat as a pretext for diverting the plane in order to arrest a dissident journalist on board. They remain at large in Belarus. A massive explosion rocked the town of Apeyate in western Ghana when a motorcyclist collided with a vehicle carrying mining explosives. It is not yet clear how many people were killed or injured in the blast. Photos and videos of the explosion showed buildings completely levelled. Police said the truck had been driving between two gold mines. Shares in Netflix tumbled after it said it expects to add only 2.5 million new subscribers in January to March, less than half of analysts' forecasts. The streaming platform had 221.8 million subscribers at the end of 2021, but said the economic fallout from the pandemic may curtail future growth. Ted Sarandos, the co-chief executive, insisted that, quote, the fundamentals of the business are pretty solid. Japanese consumer prices rose in December at their fastest pace since the pandemic began. Core CPI, which strips out the cost of fresh food, increased by 0.5% compared with a year earlier, with energy prices up 16.4% and petrol prices up 22.4%, the main drivers. The increases, which are not yet fueling wage growth, are not thought significant enough to persuade the central bank to tighten monetary policy. Barbados's ruling BLP party won a landslide victory in the country's first general election since deciding, in 2021, that Britain's Queen would no longer be its head of state. Preliminary results show the BLP won all 30 seats in Parliament. The opposition had called Prime Minister Mia Motley's decision to hold a snap election during a surge in COVID-19, quote, reckless. At least 29 people are reported to have died during a stampede at a religious gathering in a suburb of Monrovia, the capital of Liberia. The incident happened as an armed gang attacked the crowd in an attempt to rob them. The country's president, George Weir, declared three days of national mourning. Figure of the day. 52. The net favourability rating of Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister. And correction. In Thursday's edition of Espresso, 
We mistakenly stated that Recep Tayyip Erdogan is pushing up Turkey's interest rates. We meant inflation rate. Erdoganomics have even us flustered. And now, here's today's agenda. Fading hope in Ukraine. Can anything stop Russia's invasion of Ukraine? Even President Joe Biden thinks an attack is all but inevitable. Talks on Friday in Geneva between Antony Blinken and Sergei Lavrov, the foreign ministers of America and Russia, thus look forlorn. Neither America's, quote, relentless diplomatic efforts, nor its threats to impose, quote, massive sanctions on Russia, nor its dispatch of weapons to Ukraine have paused Russia's build-up. Visiting Kyiv and Berlin, Mr Blinken stressed that NATO and Ukraine must both remain united. Yet the Allied front is cracking. Germany is lukewarm about sanctions. France wants the European Union to set out its own plan for a new security order in Europe. And Ukraine is prosecuting its ex-president, Petro Poroshenko. The White House had to backpedal after Mr Biden suggested only all-out war on Russia's part was guaranteed to provoke all-out sanctions. To critics, that was a green light for Russian meddling. Mr Blinken will struggle to set it to red. Boris Johnson feels the squeeze. Britain's Prime Minister might want to start thinking about the end game. This week he fought off a bid to oust him as leader of the Conservative Party when rebels failed to muster the 54 letters from Tory MPs required to trigger a leadership ballot. But on Thursday, just as Mr Johnson may have started to relax a little, the attack resumed. William Ragg, a mid-ranking party member who was among the letter writers, accused the government of blackmailing potential dissenters by threatening to withhold state funds from their constituencies. A senior civil servant, Sue Gray, may be the one to determine Mr Johnson's fate. MPs are awaiting her report into allegations that Downing Street parties breached lockdown rules. Some sense an exposed king. Steve Baker, the ringleader of previous Tory rebellions, has declared that if she finds Mr Johnson lied to Parliament, it will be, quote, checkmate for the Prime Minister. The CDU's new leader. It is third time lucky for Friedrich Merz. On Saturday, he will become leader of the Christian Democratic Union, Germany's main Conservative Party. In 2018, Mr Merz returned from political exile to bid for the leadership, which Angela Merkel had vacated. She remained Chancellor until last year. He lost that fight, and another in 2021. But in September, German voters delivered the CDU an electoral drubbing. Now licking its wounds in opposition, the party has finally turned to Mr Merz. The 66-year-old, once known as a plain-speaking, tax-cutting type, has sought to reinvent himself as a moderate to allay concerns that he will steer his moribund party too far right. Expect him to focus on bread and butter issues such as inflation and jobs. His first test will come in four tricky state elections this year. A bigger prize may await him, the chance to unseat Olaf Scholz, 
the Chancellor, at the next general election in 2025. Spurting oil prices The price of Brent crude may continue its surge past multi-year highs in the coming days. The international benchmark hit $89 per barrel this week, up by 57% over the past year and its highest since 2014. The reopening of economies has stoked demand and Omicron is looking less disruptive than first feared. Supply, by contrast, has been limited. A fire and an explosion on the pipeline linking Iraq and Turkey caused prices to spike. It's not clear how long prices will stay high. The Organisation of the Petroleum Exporting Countries and its allies have said they will not raise production targets to make up for some members' shortfalls in output. But they hope to restore production to pre-pandemic levels by late 2022. The International Energy Agency, a global forecaster, expects this increase and output growth in other countries to boost supply this year, which will probably hold prices down. For now, talk of a return to $100 oil seems premature. Footnotes. The changing nature of divorce. Divorce can be like poker. Bitter, costly and adversarial. But as Elise Burr, our foreign affairs writer, discovered, divorce in the rich world is getting less nasty. To understand the quantitative aspect of relationship breakdowns, Elise dug through reports published by the Institute for Family Studies, an American think tank that monitors rates of marriage and divorce. This report from Our World in Data, an online publication, features interactive graphs that compare marriage and divorce rates across countries, as well as a trove of other data. Divorce litigation is changing worldwide. Articles from Resolution, a British advocacy group that aims to make family separation less confrontational, helped Elise understand how. She also sought out countries that were trying new approaches. The first country Elise looked at was Australia, which among other things has pioneered family relationship centres offering mediation sessions, free or at reduced cost, to divorcing couples, particularly parents. It's not just divorce that is changing, but the attitudes to it. Elise spoke with Bruce Smythe of Australian National University to understand how the relationship between parents sharing custody had changed. This meta-study by Linda Nielsen, a professor at Wake Forest University, examines 40 academic papers on joint custody. Elise found it helpful in understanding the psychological effects of divorce litigation on families. Across the world, Divorce still involves copious tears, regrets and vituperation. But if reforms take the sting out of legal proceedings and attitudes become more accepting, it can be less painful than it once was. Winter Quiz. The winners of week six. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners chosen at random from each continent were Asia, Jinhong Park, Suwon, South Korea, North America, Orly Mashal, Montreal, Canada, South America, Paul Rosenweig, Atenas, Costa Rica, Europe, Shaheen Abbas Zadeh, Tallinn, Estonia, Africa, Trevor Ward, 
Lagos, Nigeria. Oceana, Julian Boris, Sydney, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of Seville, Butterfly, The Magic Flute and Carmen Miranda. The theme connecting them all is operas. Barber of Seville, Madame Butterfly, Magic Flute, Carmen. Stay tuned next week for another round of our winter quiz or as one reader correctly pointed out, summer quiz for those in the Southern Hemisphere. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Alicia Gray, who died on this day in 1901. Science has no prejudices, though scientists often do. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 